This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode of This Week in HPC is brought to you by DDN, the leader in parallel storage and data management for AI, big data, and HPC use cases at scale. Visit ddn.com. DDN touts innovation at scale this week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. In this special sponsored episode of This Week in HPC, I'm joined by James Coomer, who's the Senior Vice President of Products at DDN, along with Kurt Kuckine, who's the Senior Director of Marketing at DDN. Guys, thanks for joining me, and I'm going to start off by hitting right away one of the big topics that we're seeing in supercomputing and all of HPC right now. We're heading into the supercomputing show, and I know we're going to be talking about AI and machine learning again. Our latest statistics have shown that the majority, 61% of responding HPC users, have machine learning going on in their environments right now, and most of the rest are either investigating it or working to incorporate it into their environments in the near future. James, how has DDN been evolving recently, not just with HPC, but with this increasing push toward machine learning? learning? Yeah, so it's been a strong two years for AI, and we've been looking at this strong convergence of HPC and AI, you know, very early on, because our customers have been for a long time, for 20 years, deep in HPC. And so at the very start of this sort of new, new hype curve, we were aware of what was happening really early on. And that's when we, we kind of made some strong engineering efforts to really get ahead of it. And we started up a program called A3i. Um, what A3i was meant to do was take our systems, which are already obviously very capable in the HPC context, and make sure they were very compelling for AI workloads. And that encompassed a few things. So that was about benchmarking, about tuning, optimizations, about doing integrations with AI frameworks and integrations with partners, um, and then packaging the systems up appropriate for that new audience, that new sort of user, which can sometimes be different from the, the, the HPC user. On the traditional HPC side, a big thing that we still talk about quite a bit is scalable file systems, and we've seen progress there with Luster and Spectrum Scale, which is built on GPFS, still having a strong presence across HPC. But it goes beyond that. We've seen a lot of rising solutions with BGFS and other areas, and I assume DDN is still going to be talking about its scalable file system solutions at SC. Very much so. I mean, that's really at the heart of what we're talking about. Um, as you know, uh, last year we acquired the uh, Luster file system development team, and we currently run that that file system, develop it, uh, host the user groups and sponsor those user groups, and we've presented 20 times at those groups. But what DDN has been doing for a long time is taking Luster as a base and then building on top of that, we produce a file system we call Exascaler, which combines the best of Luster on DDN appliances with additional engineering and tunings and optimization um, to make them simpler, faster, and with added value features. We're going to talk more about Exascaler in a minute, but the other big trend that we've been talking about is data tiering, because when we look at these very parallel or very scalable parallel file systems, we also have to consider that that we're seeing an increasing amount of flash 
uh, as well as on the back end, things like uh, object stores for archives. Back in the early days of clusters, we used to see system disks were pretty common on a cluster node, and people would use them as scratch. Then over time, that migrated out of uh, out of the cluster node. Now, on-node storage has been making a comeback, but rather than spinning disks, it's been SSDs that are making a comeback in terms of the on-node storage. In our HPC user surveys in current systems, things that were installed before 2013, we see less than 10% of them have any kind of SSD on node. But now in systems installed since the beginning of 2017, over 40% have some kind of SSD storage on node. How is DDN looking at that, James, in terms of managing that on node storage as part of this overall environment? Does that make it more complex? Yeah, it does. And that's another thing we've been looking at for a long time. And the story you told there about the kind of evolution is even much more complicated than that. We saw hard drives a long time for scratch. And then we saw for particular codes like structures codes in the aerospace industry, those had to be expanded into RAID arrays on each compute node to cope with some of those uh, terrible demands of running out of core. During that time, if you remember back a few years, there's a lot of talk about burst buffers. And Burst buffers were the, basically the first idea um, in the advent of Flash to really cope with the, the economic problems of running Flash at scale, and but bring the performance benefits of Flash. And that's gone into multiple strands now. It's really diverged. We've seen all sorts of innovations around that. But let's see, when we went seven years ago, that's when we started this new engineering effort called IME. Um, and that's an extremely mature technology today. What IME does is it presents a scale-out array of NVMe devices in a very sophisticated software um, environment and introduce a new data path which allows customers to run their applications on node. And that data can be passed extremely fast to a manageable layer of flash. So we have this new thing which is developed, you know, originating as a burst buffer, now as a scale-out flash cache that really sits in tandem with a parallel file system to be managed with a parallel file system. But going back to your specific question about how we manage node local flash, again, we, we did this really at large scale. Um, we, we've talked about it at various cluster user groups at Sunway a couple of years ago. And this is a very large system in China. And what we've done is we've integrated our file system so that it can work um, highly transparently with node local SSDs. In particular, this is strong because you, you can avoid the distributed logging problem associated with parallel file systems. And that's called PCC. Do you have specific end users that you're ready to talk about with PCC or more news coming at SC? Deploying this today, and we've been, as I say, deploying it to very, very large systems. We're going to be talking at, at SC um, in a couple of weeks' time about it in some considerable detail in a paper we're going to publish. Uh, so people should look out for the paper. It's, it's um, written in conjunction with uh, an academic research partner of ours. Um, and the little concepts there are called PCC and read-only PCC. So PCC um, essentially indicate to, uh, indicates that we're talking about client local cache. And there's a read-only client cache. Um, so what happens essentially is that um, applications can utilize a local SSD and perform IO into that. If a file is in that flash, then fine, application continues. 
if it so happens that the file isn't in that flash, then we'll essentially fault out and bring that data in from the backing file system, from the parallel file system. So it's, it's advantageous against alternative solutions of springing up um, full parallel file systems on demand because you're making transparent to the end user the data management operations that are required when you're using this sort of temporary file system, an ephemeral file system in the, in the nodes. So we do that in two ways. Um, one's PCC, which is like a, a node local cache just for that local client to access extremely fast. And there's another slightly different concept called read-only PCC. And that takes advantage of the fact that, well, we're reading only, right? So there's no write locks involved and we can just go hell for leather against that data without worrying about um, about write activity to the same data and looking at stale data. So in that case, we can we can broaden out our use case and um, make it more flexible for a parallel application to access a consistent set of data across the node local systems. So the underlying pieces are quite sophisticated, but the consequences are that the end user experience is, is very easy and very simple. There's no requirement for job staging and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so you covered Infinite Memory Engine or IME plus this PCC solution. What other solutions does DDN have for transparent tiering? Well, actually, the big one we launched this year as part of XA5 in June um, was something we're calling Hot Pools. Hot Pools allows us within the Exascalar file system, so without requiring anything external at all, to tier between Hot Pools of Flash and Cooler Pools of Hard Drives. And we do this natively using a very fast file system scanning engine and data movement tools. So kind of gone are the worries of um, having two pieces of data separated over a network or on two different pieces of software. Everything is happening natively at very large scale within Exascalar. And we're just promoting data that's, that's hot from the hard drive layer into the flash layer, and data that's in flash that is cooling down, we'll demote it down to the hard drive layer. And all that just happens under the covers, so users have uh, no concern at all to get involved in that, and administrators can just set and forget and let the system do its thing and make sure the hot data is where it needs to be. We're going to talk more about your presence coming up at SC19 in just a second, but first I want to go back to Exascaler with regard to some of the evolving use cases that we've been tracking. We've been talking about AI, we've been talking about analytics, and we've kind of come out of an era where we would hear people use the term data lake, and it would have almost a negative connotation in terms of, hey, I'm aggregating all of this data at an enterprise level because I think it has value that I'd like to get something out of, but the idea of a data lake has been this notion of almost it's it's a big pile of data that's uncurated and people would say oh it's in a data lake meaning well you you don't even know what you're going to do with this data and and it almost it, it would carry the sense of it's not useful because it hasn't been organized in any way but now we're hearing a lot more about the idea of doing analytics on data in place regardless of whether it's in a data lake or or whether it's more out close close to the source of the data so the the question is with Exascalar, how are you seeing at DDN the use cases of Exascalar evolving with regards to notions like analytics on data in place? Yeah, this problem has um, really come to the fore. So we went through a sort of big data era, and that's when this sort of data lake emerged. And it's 
it's somewhat associated with sort of HDFS and MapReduce workloads, which have gone by the by and now replaced with Spark workloads, um, newer forms of big data, and of course, AI. But with all those three grouped together, the three being HPC, um, big data, or the, the mature big data we see now, and AI, there's a lot more opportunity for mangling very large amounts of data and wanting to maintain access to extremely large data sets, particularly in deep learning. Right? So what are the consequences for that for a storage system? I mean, firstly, it means that you want to do all kinds of operations into that storage. It shouldn't be just good at one thing, storing your data. It shouldn't be just good at reading. It needs to be good at write as well. And then it should be also be good at doing random I.O. to serve AI. It needs to be doing streaming I.O. to serve some HPC applications and all the things in between. So it has a consequence on the performance profile of a file system. And that's something we've definitely been working on for a long time with Exascaler to make sure we can really meet the demands of the full range of performance profiles across the spectrum of big data, HPC, and AI. Then the other aspect is protocols, gateways, access methods, how you get at the data. And that's, again, something we've launched uh, new NFS and SIFS gateways in the middle of the year with our launch of XF5, the latest generation of Exascaler. We've been uh, um, sprucing up the HDFS adapter to allow you know, people who do want to do Hadoop-style workloads and use the HDFS protocol to access that data in place. And the supercomputing will be talking about more protocol methods for accessing all that data in place at very large scale. And remember, the DDN systems are starting at you know, as small as tens of terabytes and going up to literally the, the largest file systems, the largest single namespaces in the world of, of multiple hundreds of petabytes. Um, so that's extremely strong, fully parallel uh, data in place where customers can access all of that data. So literally hundreds of petabytes are very, very fast. And uh, you know, some of the finance customers, for example, they really do this um, commercially today. Uh, they need extremely fast access to extraordinary sizes of tick data. Um, I'm quite surprised actually, there's you imagine a, a tick data from a stock market being just a few bytes, but they, they mass these up to be uh, tens of petabytes, and they want equivalent access to all of that data very, very fast. And that's a big challenge. You know, finance is one of the largest vertical markets that we track. It's either the largest or second largest commercial vertical market, depending on how you like to track manufacturing. Is consumer product manufacturing the same as automotive and aerospace manufacturing? If those are different, then finance is the largest. If those are the same, then manufacturing is the largest. That's just a matter of taste. So finance, one of the largest use cases we see, and uh, and interesting to see those uh, data management issues uh, at play in finance. Now, we've been talking about supercomputing, and DDN always has a large presence. Kurt, what are some of the things our listeners should be looking for from DDN next week? Yeah, we'll be all over the show. Of course, we'll have um, plenty of announcements, uh, new product introductions, uh, and such. Uh, always um, a good event is our user group. Uh, which is occurring on Monday, and you can find more details uh, about that on ddn.com if you want to go check it out and register for that. Uh, in addition, uh, supercomputing is our largest presence in terms of an event, and so we have our um, really big booth um, on the show floor. So come by and set up a one-on-one -on -one meeting with uh, one of our storage experts there. Can people set those up in advance? 
Yeah, we'll have a link um, to that on ddn.com as well, just on the uh, homepage banner there. Um, we'll have buttons for both registering for the user group and um, setting up one-on-one -on -one meetings. I've been speaking with James Coomer, the Senior Vice President of Products at DDN, and Kirk Kuckheim, Senior Director of Marketing. I'm looking forward to seeing DDN at the show next week. And thanks to both of you for joining me on This Week in HPC. And thanks to you for tuning in. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you and uh, all your listeners there. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.